Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94. I am your host, Mashal St. Patrick Kewitt from the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me, as ever, is my partner in crime, Santoki Nagulendran. On today's show, we're going to be chatting about West Indies white ball woes. Santoki, take it away. Yeah, well, thanks thanks for that intro, Mash. And yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, we started with a bang this first episode. West Indies on a record-breaking run. Unfortunately, it's not a good record. We've lost nine ODIs in a row, concurrently to Pakistan, Bangladesh and India. And the record is 11, I think. So we've got three coming up against New Zealand. So that record is in danger of being broken. So naturally in the region, it's cuss-out season time everybody's getting a cuss out because fans do not are not happy at this. But Mash, we're going to look at how this isn't a recent problem. This hasn't started with Nicholas Poran taking over. This hasn't started with Phil Simmons being coach. It's been a long-term rot in the white ball scene, particularly the ODIs. Um, dating back, I guess, Mashal, to 2014, we would say. Yeah, yeah. Let, 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 let's take this back and let, let's give people a history lesson. So... If we just look at, let's look at, as you say, the old guys first in isolation. So I've done some some data crunching, which will probably shock a lot of people who, who, who don't look into West Indies cricket from a data perspective. So in 2014, late 2014, we had that tour to India. Uh, this is circa when uh, DJ Bravo was captain of the old guys side. And probably the last time we were super competitive as an old side. And obviously, Bravo, um, there was a massive kind of contract dispute in India in 2014. The players, the senior players felt that Weeper had gone behind their back um, and negotiated a new kind of memorandum of understanding with the then West Indies Cricket Board. The players refused to sign, sorry, the players had gone to India without signing the contract. They then refused to play after the third ODI and then the tour got abandoned. Dwayne Bravo was then kicked out of West Indies cricket, never to be seen again in Ojai cricket. Pollard was never to be seen again. And, and off, he came back for one or two series and was never to be seen again for 2015 to 2019. Now, what I did, Santoki, was I went and pulled the data for that period of time. So just prior to that 2015 World Cup, Jason Holder was appointed as captain at the age of 23 and if you remember Santoki, he'd barely just got into the LTI side. Mm. <laughs> and he was appointed as captain to go into the World Cup. Since that World Cup between 2015 and 2019, across all of the bilateral series we have played, um, we have we we played 50 um games. <laughs> <laughs> and we won nine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess it's Mash. I guess it's, it's similar to what happened in the Test ball arena and Test ball cricket. Um, essentially, we done a reset. We got Jason Holder at the helm as captain, and we said, "Look, we're going to start a cohort of young players who are going to be long term take us to success." Obviously, in Test cricket, we've kind of reached the stage where we're not great, but we're, particularly at home, we're, we're decent. We're like a mid table side. In ODI cricket, the slump has just been continuing and continuing. And as you rightly said up until the, Jason Holder was appointed just before the World Cup. After the World Cup, Chris Gale didn't play ODIs for two years. We lost a lot of we lost a lot of players, a lot of experience. Kyron Pollard was outcast from the side as well. So Darren Sammy, eventually we lost Marlon Samuels as well. So we've lost a lot of experience. And if you look at the, if you look at that period after 2015, we had 
Andre Fletcher, Johnson Charles, Tranjapur Hemraj, Kieran Powell, Craig Brathwaite. We even went for Craig Brathwaite as an opener. We've just been experimenting with players and there's not been a clear philosophy. And that's just led to this slump, which I can't see based on the fact that at the moment, our ODI side has a strong, is essentially the strongest white ball players we have in the region. I can't see how we get out of this slump anytime soon, not least before the World Cup in India next year. Yeah, um, it's it's hard to know where to attack this from. Yeah. So having given the stats that we won nine out of 50 games between 2015 and 2019, <laughs> and obviously that means we won zero series between 2015. Swear, I'm glad you're laughing because I said to someone recently, we actually have to laugh because if you don't, if you don't laugh, <laughs> if you don't laugh, it's actually seriously depressing. But um, zero series between 2015 and 2019. Now, under Phil, our record actually is better than people realise. The, the nine defeats in a row notwithstanding, the record under Phil currently is played 38-115, which is a win percentage of 39%. And the thing is, Santoki, this slump has actually just come this year. Um, prior to 2022, we actually had an over 50% win record. Something has changed this year. Right. And I've got a few theories which I'm going to put to you, but it's worth people just noting that sometimes, Santoki, people can get caught up in the kind of short termism and immediate kind of, oh, we've lost nine in a row. So we've always been terrible. And yes, historically, we've always been terrible, but we haven't always been terrible uh, under Phil. We're terrible in 2022. Now, the question mark is this to me, Santoki. Two Mm. players in particular, haven't featured at all in OGI cricket in 2022. I think I think Evan may have featured at the start of the year versus Ireland, but two players basically haven't featured versus Bangladesh, haven't featured versus Pakistan, haven't featured versus India, home or away. And those two players are Shimron Hetmeyer uh, and Evan Lewis. And I'm not saying those two players being in the team would suddenly mean we'd win matches, but what I am saying to you, Santoki, and I want to see where you uh, kind of lie on this is, we're not good enough to play without them. And I'm not saying they're world beaters, but we're so weak as it is that if you take out two players who actually average above 35, it makes a significant difference to an already weak side. 100% spot on there, Mash. I think when you've got such a small talent pool as we have, to lose two world-class players, Shimon Hetmeyer and Evan Lewis, I don't even think Evan Lewis played in the ODIs versus Ireland. I think it was his last ODI was against Australia maybe last year, along with Hetmeyer. Mm. Um, to lose those players, especially Evan Lewis at the peak of his career, experienced player, averaging 36 in ODIs is a massive blow. And I think what we've seen in the ODIs, I think Carl Mayers has done, has done an adequate job in replacing him in the ODIs. Um, but we've seen that partnership with Shai Hope. Kalmeyer just, it hasn't gelled at the moment. Either one of them gets a big score and the other one goes out early. Whereas I think Lewis and Hope, particularly in the Sri Lanka series last year that we played, they had they had a good synergy yeah. together. There was a good partnership, a good understanding. And then you had the Darren Bravo to support with the ones. So it's ironic because like you said, a lot of people will just jump to the conclusion that we've been terrible for ODI in ODIs for the past five, six years. But... Last year, we did discuss it on the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. ODIs was probably our strongest format. We did have a good run against Sri Lanka. We lost to Australia. It was a tight series, 2-1. But we did look like a side on the up. But the loss of Evan Lewis, 
um, I'm sure we'll get into the circumstances around that. And Shimron Hetmeyer as well. Hetmeyer is someone who's inconsistent, but he has that ability to win you games. And especially in the ODIs against India, where it was such fine margins, you can imagine someone like Hetmeyer could have taken us across the line. So, um, yeah, I, I think spot on there. Two big players in the side who have gone and we just haven't been able to replace them. And it, it's you, you are right, just to clarify, Santoki's right there. It was Justin Graves who opened versus Ireland. You're right. Evan didn't actually play. So... <laughs> I'll add that to the list with him watching Bathway. <laughs> Thing is, we're not even cussing there. <laughs> I'm just, it's just facts. It was just secret plays who opened against Ireland. So yeah, we did, we actually haven't had them for the whole year. And as, as Santoki kind of uh, indicates there, the impact has been clear. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Santoki. We haven't had them. And to an outsider, and within some quarters of the Caribbean, people would say, we must call them back into the side immediately. Now, l- l- let's give people the context here because we still get messages probably on a daily basis saying, where's Evan Lewis? Where's Shimron Hetmeyer? What do you mean West Indies haven't called them up? And I guess we must, I guess we have to address it, Santoki. Mm. Evan Lewis has been missing. <laughs> I'm just going to repeat the story, people. <laughs> Desmond Haynes said in a press conference um, that he had reached out to Evan Lewis about fitness. Evan Lewis has failed fitness tests before, and he'd reached out to to Evan Lewis and said, Evan, what's the situation? Like, we're hearing you haven't taken the fitness test. Can you take the fitness test, please? This is paraphrasing the story. And in essence, Evan said, yeah, he's not taking a fitness test, and he doesn't plan to take it anytime soon. West Indies have a very stringent policy towards fitness, which is you must past certain criteria most notably you must get over 40 on the yo-yo test or bleak test or whatever people want to call it Shimon Hetmeyer's situation is slightly different his wife has had a baby or his partner has had a baby so he missed some of those series for paternity uh reasons then he picked up an injury but he's also had his fitness issues as well Santoki would you, I'm not saying scrap the fitness test. I'm not that, no, because I'm not, I don't think we're going to go that far. Would you do something like tweak the fitness test so as to get those two players to be selected? Or do you look at it on the other side and say they're professional players? They're supposed to just pass the fitness test and done. How are we still, because these two players, mm. This isn't their first problem. This is now the third problem in Shimron's in Shimron's case. It's three times. I think ever now this is three times as well. Where do you stand on the line, Santa? Where do we draw the line for those two? Where it is these are the standards? You know what you have to do. Just pass the test and done. Or do we look at our team and say, "Boy, we really can't afford to not have them in the side." Let's now change our policy. Where do you stand on it? It's a tricky one because do you go for short-term benefits over sort of damaging the long-term reputation? I mean, because if you amend the fitness test criteria you've had for a few years in place now for two players, you're essentially saying they're bigger than the overall system and the standards. I think... It's a, for fans, it's a tricky one because Evan Lewis plays in the IPL. He plays in franchise tournaments. and he, So there's obviously not an cl- obvious fitness issue. But on, from West Indies' point of view, we're saying he's not fit enough to make the side. I think, bearing in mind Shimon Hetmeyer worked hard on his fitness and passed the fitness test in Trinidad 
I think you keep the standards in place because if Hetmeyer is willing to work on it, I don't see why Lewis can't either. And if anything, you might say it's the fitness test standards are harsher than in franchise leagues or tougher, but that just encourages players to raise their levels, which is what we need. When West Indies, when you have such a small talent pool, things like fitness is where you win matches on, having a a higher standard than other teams. So for me, I think the fact that Hetmeyer has gone back and, you know, a lot of people said mentally he's not in the game, he's not focused. He's gone back, he's worked hard, he's passed the fitness test, he's in the T20 side against India I think if Hetmeyer can do that I don't see any reason why Lewis would so at this point I would say no you don't tweak the test for players so people listening to this I mean by all means send us your messages to to at Carib Cricket and 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 let us know what your views are on it but hopefully that clears things up for people it is not a case of Cricket West Indies refusing to well they are refusing but there's a reason why they're refusing or were refusing to select uh, Lewis and Hetmeyer. Other nations don't have these pro- nations don't have these problems over and over and over again. And I think my stance is pretty clear. You're a professional cricketer. Like pr- the the the, opt- uh, the optimum word there being professional. Why are we begging these players? <laughs> Why are we begging them to do something so simple? There has to be some kind of standard as a professional that you accept you have to reach. Now, for all we know, there may be something further behind the scenes that hasn't been said yet. But we can only give you what we know. And that is the official story um, as it currently stands. But Santoki, I mean, Lewis and Hetmeyer... That's in the batting it. That's in the the, the yeah. batting department. Even if they came back, the, the such is the way with West Indies that when we fix one problem, another problem is like um, <laughs> it's, like, it's like whack a mole. You whack down one problem, <laughs> another, another problem one, suddenly appears out of nowhere. And my thing is, I also think, and you and I have been t- kind of messaging each other back and forth about this. We actually have a bowling issue as well mm. in all yeah. the eyes. And it kind of goes under the radar a bit because we don't necessarily have quote unquote world class players who are on the outside looking in to come into the into the bowling rank. So bowling wise, I'd say apart from Alzari Joseph. Possibly you'd throw in Akil Hussain because of his meteoric rise over the last year. Obviously, Gudakesh has just kind of come into the side. But go past them. And in old-time cricket, what else have we got? Yeah. And that sounds harsh. But what I mean is, what else have we got where you're saying bona fide wicket-takers? Hmm. Yeah, 100%. There's definitely, for the past few years, across both formats, ODIs and T20s, we've had a problem with strike bowlers specifically. Bowlers who can take wickets. We're lucky in T20s, we've got Obed McCoy. But if you look, we've had to try out Fidel Edwards, Ravi Rampal. And then ODIs, um, someone you spoke to earlier this week, Mash, Kimar Roach, he played earlier this year, but Mm -hmm. we haven't seen him since. But that kind of highlights the fact that he, he well, he says he's p- been pigeonholed as, as, as a Red Bull player, but if you think about it, it also showed our desperation that we had to call him back to the ODI setup, age thirty-three at the time, just because we have no white ball players who can take wickets at the moment. This is a massive problem. You're not going to win ODIs if you can't take at least seven, eight wickets and over fifty overs. It's something we struggled with. So we've got, as you said, we've got a problem at the top end with the opener positions and that kind of um solidifying that middle order. But for me, the massive problem. It's just the pace bowling, strike bowlers. We're struggling at the moment. Alzari Joseph has lost his consistency. 
Obed McCoy's not fit enough or he hasn't got the health he hasn't got the he hasn't got the health to kind of play 50 overs. I don't think we ever see him play 50 overs. I think he'll be limited to 20 overs. So we've come with Jaden Seals. He's obviously inexperienced. You can't expect him to come in straight away and take wickets. Where are we getting a strike bowler from in white ball cricket? It's hard to see it in the ODIs. I normally I have an answer. But I, actually, I've got no names to call. I literally yeah. have no... Sheldon Cottrell's the only name I can think of. But even he's got his injury roles at the moment. And, and with respect to Sheldon, I don't see Sheldon as a banker. Like, he's mm. not like a... He'll, don't get me wrong, there'll be matches where Sheldon will take three wickets. But he's not like a... He, he's not a bowler you'd say every match he's bound to to strike for us. But in the context of West Indies cricket, he's probably the best option on the outside currently looking in, but he is currently not being selected due, due, due to injury woes. But beyond mm. Sheldon, I mean, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, Santoki. The mere, the fact we've called in Jaden Seals, who's not even 21 yet, to try and be our strike bowler in, in ODI, that in itself is hugely problematic. I don't mm. think he's ready. Um, but what... <laughs> <laughs> but Mash, what do you think? Because obviously, a lot of we'll have a lot of new listeners who haven't listened to us before. They'll be thinking, "Hold on, you guys, this is this is the region that produced, you know, Michael Holden, Malcolm Marshall, Joel Garner. What's going on with your pace bowling?" Obviously, in a region, well, it's been rendered in the past few years, but long term for the past fifteen years, we've seen very, very heavy spin friendly pitches across the region, uh, particularly Guyana, Trinidad, but even at Sabina Park, for instance, where spinners mm. have prevailed. Do you think that's caused the long-term systematic issues with our region's pace bowlers just don't know how to take wickets on these pitches? Yeah, I think there's I think there's a twofold issue as well. Now, to give Cricket West Indians their due, in the in the um, Red Bull competition, they have recently introduced um, bonus points if fast bowlers take wickets. So let's not let's not highlight that they are they are trying to do something. So they're obviously trying to encourage. Uh, grounds people to produce tracks which at least are a bit more friendly to fast bowlers um so that's that that that's one issue there that they are trying to 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 rectify but i think on the other hand as well i mean i I look at like okay so i'm going to go across the different uh territorial teams and so just to try and give people some names so barbados chamar holder he's had some injury woes Keon Hardin played when we took a C team to Bangladesh. He's not really ready yet. Guyana, Niall Smith, is he really ready yet? Um, Jamaica, Nicholson Gordon or Marquino Mindley, are they really ready yet? Trinidad, we've even tried Shannon Gabriel in the past. We've currently thrown in Jaden Seal like a lamb to the slaughter. Um, so that's the quote-unquote big four. Leeward Islands. Maybe we'll have to turn to someone like a Jeremiah Louis because he's been taking wickets in the first-class tournament. And then Winwood Islands, we had um, Sherman Lewis on tour in the Netherlands. I mean, people will say Preston McSween, but when I say these names to you, Santogin, none of them are... <laughs> who's ready? <laughs> who's, who's actually ready? And this is almost the problem for West Indies. No one's ready because, our, our, with respect, our domestic tournaments, the jump from them to... To um to to Westerns International, it's like jumping. Sorry for the wrestling reference for those who who are like you're going to make a wrestling reference on this pod. Yes, we are. It's <laughs> it's like jumping from the indie scene to main event in WrestleMania. Like, yeah. like the the jump is huge, and we we we've 
we haven't had, and let's be fair, Santolki, since COVID, what domestic cricket have we had anyway? Yeah, so, we've had we've we had the Super Fifty in twenty nineteen. Then there was a gap because of COVID. Last year we had the Super Fifty, but it was only what a three week tournament. So you've essentially, if you're a regional player in the past three years, you've had three weeks to play fifty over cricket against other regional sides. How are you then going to develop and play against the West Indies? We saw essentially the C team that went to Bangladesh in early 2021 was essentially the quote-unquote best of the regional outside of the, the guys that had pulled out. And we saw how they struggled, capitulated. So how are you going to bridge the gap between that Super 50 and playing for West Indies? There's no real way to do it. We've got another Super 50 tournament coming up in November. Again, that will probably be three to four weeks. Are players really going to learn in that period how to adjust and play for West Indies at that level? And then we've got a World Cup coming up in just over a year. So it's hard to see how any players on the region are going to make a case for getting into the side. But when the side, when the first team is struggling anyway so badly, it's hard to kind of see much optimism going forward short term. There's obviously long term, you can develop coaching plans that can kind of gear players for this. But for the next two to three years, Mash, I really don't see this. Much as I'd like to be positive, I really don't see our fortunes changing in the ODI side. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to put even more kind of bleak and stark than that. <laughs> My whole thing with West Indies in old Jai cricket is I start with the notion in my head we're going to lose. That's my default whenever I watch a game. And some you, people can say to me, oh, Mash, you're so negative. No, I think that's just realistic. I start with the notion we're probably going to lose this. And if we then win, I can celebrate and I can lime and I can jump up and down and play some music. But the reality is we're going to lose. And I harp back to... When I when I went to the Netherlands to watch us play the Netherlands, Santoki, those games were much closer than people realise. Right? It said on paper it was three nil, but in in actual ringside seats, when I was watching in the Netherlands, it was much closer. We arguably should have. There were points in two games out of the three where if the Netherlands had executed, we would have lost those matches. So, yeah. and that's why when we lost two one to Ireland, part of me is also like, well realistically isn't that our level and nobody wants to hear that because i think what people are stuck on is people are still believe it or not santo i reckon people are still stuck on the name west indies so you know how like in football people like will hear famous names from the past and you'll be like ah ac milan without ever realizing i know they just won the scudetto but like they'll they'll hear a name and they'll be like ah that team's much bigger than the actual reality. So Manchester United right now are a flop, but everyone hears the name Manchester United and assumes it still means something in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. And I sometimes wonder with West Indies, if people haven't adjusted their mentality to what we actually are, we still carry the name and we're still, we're still main event status based on our legendary antics, but we're actually... Mm. <laughs> We're actually, we're actually, old Jai cricket, certainly, I think we're an associate side or just above it. Mm. Well, if anyone wants to know what we're about, we've had an Italian football reference there, a wrestling reference. So you be, expect references from all angles coming to us. But Mash, we spent, we spent a good 22, 23 minutes talking about the perils of the ODI side. I guess let's highlight one outstanding aspect. Shy Hope, one of the world's leading ODI batsmen. Obviously, he's fallen off in test cricket. 
T20, he's a strange one because T20 cricket, he hasn't really adapted to the pace of it. But it's like OGI cricket is perfectly suited to him. We saw that century in, in his 100th game against India. He just looks like he knows how to play the format. He averages a touch under 50, which is remarkable for a West Indian batsman. Very, very comfortable in, in that opener spot. He's someone we can rely on to get runs pretty much most of the time. Kind of, how would you highlight how exceptional a job Shai Hope's been doing in the team? And if Shai Hope can do it, why haven't other batsmen been able to perform as well? That's a really good question, you know. And first, first things first. I think we, again, there's two. We have to we have to look at two different things here because, believe it or not, after the which old guy did he get the century in? Is it the first? I can't even remember which one's which now. The first, the second one. Yeah, second. People were were questioning or still critiquing is criti- uh, or criticizing. I don't know if that's too strong. His strike rate. Just very quickly, I'm just going to say this. In the context of our West Indies team, we do not have time to be criticising Shea Hope's strike rate. When we've got one batter and one batter only who can consistently produce in this format of cricket, we haven't got time to be criticising his strike. He's the one person doing what he's supposed to actually be doing. So I haven't got time to be saying in the weakness of our old guy cricket, let's go after the best player before we look at any other situation uh, within the old guy. So there will come a time, hopefully, in the future where we look at um, Shea Hope's strike rate and say, boy, that needs to improve, but we're not there yet because there's so many other aspects um, of our game that needs to improve. But answering the actual main question you said there, Santoki, this is where I wonder, and again, anybody who's got any thoughts on this, send your, um, send your, find us on Twitter, at Carry Cricket, send in whatever comments you've got to say. This is where I question the players. Santoki. So Shea Hope's approach to OGI cricket is reminds me of Shiv Shandapur's approach to test cricket. Now, let me break it down. I don't mean in strike rate. That's not my point. But what I do mean is in the sheer, and actually let's say Craig Brathwaite in test cricket presently, that sheer single bloody mindedness to be like, I'm going to succeed. I'm going to make sure I score no matter what. And what it says to me is, where is the line then between how much a coach can have an impact on a player and how much of it is about a player's desire to want to be the best? In this present era of West Indies cricket, it is unheard of that we've got a player averaging over 50. Like, we thought we'd gone past that era where we had players that good. So I just think that, Shay, we don't know why he's not cracked it in tests yet, but in ODI cricket, certainly he, this has to be put on him. He has the winner's mentality in, in that format of cricket. And it just makes me question some of the other players to be like, well, how much desire do, maybe some will say I'm being too simplistic, but how much desire do they have to be the best? And I just think Shay has that in OJ cricket and some of the other players could maybe take a leaf out of his book, possibly in terms of um, dedication to his craft. Hmm. That's well, where I see this, it. 
this this also links i guess there's been a lot of talk about the relevance of odi cricket it could just be perhaps we've got a lot of t20 specialists in the side mm. maybe they just don't see odi as being that premier format for themselves whereas obviously like we said shy hopes kind of he's not made it in the test arena he's not made it in t20 so he's kind of forced himself to focus on odi so it could be a wider issue on how relevant odis are but i 100 agree with you mash i think when you've got a side which has so much batting power in it and ability to go over 100 strike rate Poran, Odeon Smith, Romario Shepard, Jason Holder, but even Brandon King can attack. You don't need Shy Hope to be playing a blistering innings at the top of the order. You just need him to solidify and everyone to bat around him. He knows his role. He knows his job. It's just for the others to step up and and fit into their roles. And so for me, I think it's easy to cuss out Shy Hope's strike rate. We obviously come from a region where the cuss out is inevitable for anyone if you're not winning games. But it's un, it's unjust, I think, for Shy Hope. I think he's the one player in the side he's doing He's exceeding expectations based on the state of the West Indies side. So for me, yeah, no, Shy Hope's definitely been a, a star shining light in this ODI side, despite our slump. So let me let me put this question to you then, mm-hmm. Santelki. Let lay it out on the line. We've got a year till the World Cup twenty twenty, the ODI World Cup twenty twenty three World Cup. New Zealand are due to arrive in the West Indies in well, basically next week for their three ODIs and three T20s. But let's focus on ODIs. Do you think we will... <laughs> will we break the record and lose all... <laughs> will we break the record and lose all three ODIs to New Zealand? But a wider question than that is, do you think we're heading to the World Cup qualifiers for the ODI World Cup? And and if you do think we're going to go to the qualifiers, do you think we'll even make it out of the World Cup qualifiers? <laughs> Listen, you you set me up for a lot of negativity there. I think when you look at New Zealand squad, no sympathy. They named Bolt, Salvi, their full their full squad is coming for us. I think we can take heart from the fact that India ODIs were very close. Maybe that can build some confidence. Um, so hopefully we can just scramble to one win. I'll take a one. I'll take a two one loss as long as we just don't break this record because the cuss out will be unprecedented on Puran. I think at this point, if we do break the record, I think in terms of the World Cup. Thank you, South Africa, for forfeiting the series against Australia next year because that's given us a massive boost and probably means we won't have to go to qualifiers. If we do have to go to qualifiers <laughs> in Zimbabwe next year, we saw what happened last time, the umpire teeth out against Scotland. Even that, the teeth out, we were still ready to lose. The rain had to come in. <laughs> and we celebrated like we won the World Cup. So I don't know if we'll get that fortune again this time in the World Cup qualifiers. It's going to be very, very tricky. I think... And the thing is, when you're when you're a test playing nation in these World Cup qualifiers, there's obviously a bullseye on your head. Everyone wants to step up their performances and take you out because you're essentially the team to beat. So I think associate nations, we've seen they've closed the gap. We've seen it. We've seen it so many sides. Ireland, Netherlands, well, Ireland's a test player now, but Netherlands, um, we've seen them step up the level. So I think it's going to be very, very hard for us to finish in the top two of qualifiers. I think we will be favourites, but you'd rather not have to go through that. So um, yeah, I guess... A lot in the air, Mash. A lot in the air. I think I'm optimistic we can get one win against New Zealand. And I'm optimistic we'll qualify for the World Cup, but only because of circumstances outside of our control, namely South Africa giving up points for the bag. Wait, so wait, hold on. Are you saying we'll qualify automatically or are you saying we'll qualify through the qualifiers? No, I think we'll qualify automatically because I think South Africa are so far behind... Looking at the table, it looks like no one can catch us up, basically, now that South Africa are forfeited. It, I could be wrong... But it looks like we're in a strong position, even if we lost all three against New Zealand, to somehow snake through 
into the World Cup automatically. If we have to go to Zimbabwe against qualifiers, then boy, we might have to scrap that fitness test for Evan Lewis, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if we if we go to World Cup qualifiers, listen, everyone's got a goal. Everyone. Hey, listen, what's uh, you got Chris? You got Chris Gale on WhatsApp. You know, I'm after Bellman for the qualifiers. Anybody who's ever played West cricket, ever did this in the past, has to be has to be eligible for selection if we're going to the World Cup qualifiers. Bring back Steve, bring back Saul, and bring back Gale, bring listen, back Samuel. Ma- everyone, Ma- Michelle might be in Harare. You know, battling in that in that full spot after he passes the bleep test. <laughs> No, listen. no, listen, guys, I think we said before this episode, we'll talk about ODI cricket and T20 cricket. As usual, we've gone over 30 minutes just looking at the ODI. So the good thing about West Indies on 99.94, we're going to be here three times a week. So we'll be back again in a few days to discuss the T20 side, namely to look at how we went from Chris Gale opening and Evan Lewis to Shamar Books in 2022 and a lot more. So stay tuned for that. But Mash, um, I think one thing that's highlighted the need for us to be on 99.94 is you mentioned it maybe off air, the Evan Lewis story, no one's covering it. If England, if Jason Roy was not in the England side because of fitness issues and he was having a back and forth with the selectors about it, it would be across all major cricket websites. We haven't seen anything about Evan Lewis. We might be the first guy. You you were the only person in the press conference to ask uh, Desmond Haynes about it. And we're probably the only people talking about it in depth. So I guess that highlights why it's so important to have West Indies coverage on 99.94. Most definitely, most definitely. And people, um, we're going to try and get to the we're going to try and get to the bottom of this and hear from Evan Lewis at some point in the near future. Because all we've got so far from Evan Lewis is cut out on Facebook in true West Indian style. He's taken to social media to cuss out cricket West Indies. So you can guarantee that we'll try to get to the bottom of this. But as Santoki says, um, Technically, this was episode one. We know that Jared introduced us in the, the kind of real episode one, but this was the this was episode one of West Indies on 99.94. If you've got anything to say about anything we've discussed um, on this particular episode, do feel free to send us messages on Twitter. You can find us at Carib Cricket. Do send us messages. And if you if you send us anything interesting, uh, we shall read it out as well. You can also email us um uh caribcricket at gmail dot com if you've got any kind of questions you want us to raise on the show but santoki is goodbye from me is it goodbye from you yeah it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure and like i said there's never a dull day in west indies cricket next episode we'll be back with what barbados are playing in the commonwealth games john campbell's got his hearing regarding oh, God, the doping yeah. on, on tuesday in jamaica so there'll be a lot to talk about so guys stay tuned and we'll be back in a few days on 99.94 stay locked people Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can also download the 99.94 app from wherever you get your apps. If you'd like to follow us personally, go to at Carib Cricket on Twitter and Instagram. You can also head to www.caribbeancricketpodcast.com where you can find links to everything we do outside of 99.94. If you'd like to follow us personally, you can find Santoki at Santoki89 and Michelle at MashSTPaddy. Remember, if you love cricket, then 99.94 is the home of cricket audio. Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. 
Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.